Hello, listener, and welcome to Adventist Soul Radio, the voice of hope. Thank you so much for finding time to join me. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Maureen Komboka is on standby with the Family Life segment. Today, she will talk about born-again relationships. Sister Becky Runga will be joining us during the Bible segment. Today, she'll talk about pursuing righteousness. Stay tuned for this and some songs which are in store for you. Here is a song, Kisha, by Victory Church Choir. the New Life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Get ready to listen to Maureen Komboka with the Family Life segment. Be blessed. Hello, dear listener. Welcome to today's Family Life program. In celebrating our differences, today we are going to talk about born-again relationships. Perhaps it is time we said a good word about guilt feelings. If it were not for guilt, we might never seek change. If it were not for change, we might never experience renewal. And in marriage, if it were not for renewal, we might continue in the rut of complacency or fall over the precepts of divorce. And in marriage, if we are not for renewal, we might continue in the rut of complacency or fall over the precept of divorce. However, guilt is not the last word, thanks be to God, but guilt is a key of repentance and a born-again marriage. Repentance is vital in our marriage relationship because it involves changes in attitude and behavior. 
repenting from the wrongs we have done to our marriage partner and changing our attitude and behavior can actually provide for us a new marriage. It is very easy for us to tell the difference between sponge cake, chocolate cake, angel food cake, and carrot cake. Yet, they all have the same basic ingredients with slight variations. What makes the difference? It is the proportion of the ingredients and the way they are combined that changes the structure, texture, and taste. Just so with the temperaments. It is the amount of each trait and the interaction or mixing of these traits that make the difference among people. Thus, while understanding the four basic temperaments will provide a basis for understanding in your marriage or family relationships, it will not plumb the depths of these relationships. That is the work and discovery of a lifetime. Religion too often tells us what not to do, think or feel, rather than helping us to see why we are as we are and showing us how to use the resources of religion to become what God intends us to be. One of my favorite authors admonishes, we all need to study character and manner that we may know how to deal judiciously with different minds, that we may use our best endeavors to help them to a correct understanding of the word of God and to a true Christian life. The person must be shown his true character, understand his own peculiarities of disposition and temperament, and see his infirmities. The Apostle Paul notes that even our best intentions sometimes fail because of sin in our lives. He writes, I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong, and my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws I am breaking. But I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. Romans 7, 15-17 Have you ever experienced Paul's frustration in your own relationship or marriage? Have you ever had the best of intentions but something always seems to go wrong? Perhaps you have planned a special night together and one of you become ill. Or you waited until the proper moment and arrived to bring up a sensitive subject and your spouse reacted negatively to your well-intentioned remarks? In other words, Murphy's Law seems to be active in your marriage or relationship. What is the answer? One inspired author replies, When Christ is formed within, the hope of glory, then the truth of God will so act upon the natural temperament that his transforming power will be seen in changed characters. In other words, there is a definite change that occurs in our temperament when we accept Christ as our personal Savior. This doesn't mean we become a different temperament blend, but it does mean that the weakness in our lives will be transformed into strengths by the indwelling Christ. This other father states, The religion we profess is colored by our natural disposition and temperaments. Therefore, it is of the highest importance that the weak points in our character be strengthened by exercise, and that the strong and favorable points be weakened by working in an opposite direction and by strengthening opposite qualities. It is only when a person becomes one in Christ that they can truly become one flesh with their marriage partner. Because your marriage is composed of physical, mental, and spiritual aspects, it is incomplete if one of these elements is missing. Does that mean that once you have Christ in your marriage, you'll never have any more problems? No. But when Christ becomes a part of your one flesh experience, there'll be a new trend towards oneness that before was missing in your relationship. Six simple steps will bring Christ and God's Holy Spirit into your life and marriage. First, label your temperament weakness as sin in your life. 
Don't excuse them by saying, oh, that's just the way I was born. The born-again experience in Christ makes that excuse invalid. Then, learn to confess your sins every time they occur. Claim this Bible promise. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's forgiveness is never complete until He also washes away the stain of sin. Now, ask your Heavenly Father to take this sin out of your life. Claim the power of God to transform your temperament so that the legacy of inheritance no longer rules in your life. Believe that God has given you this victory. Many Christians are defeated at this point because they do not feel changed. Feelings have nothing to do with the validity of God's promise. While still in prayer, ask for the Holy Spirit to fill your life. If you are filled with God's Spirit, it will be virtually impossible for inherited sinful tendencies to dominate your life. Many times we do not want to completely filled with the Holy Spirit because we want to continue enjoying the fruits of sin or we mistakenly assume that this is a one-time only experience. It is important to ask to be refilled with God's Spirit each time we sin. The Apostle Paul reminds us that the good things we want to do when the Spirit is way with us are just the opposite of our natural desires. Read Galatians 5 verses 17. Finally, dedicate yourself to working with Christ on a daily basis. The reason for Bible study and a consistent prayer life is to maintain contact with the source of your renewing power. The reason we continue in the rut of inherited weaknesses is because we fail to utilize fully the power of God's Spirit in our lives. I once had a preacher put it this way, Most of us don't have a problem killing the old man of sin. Our problem is that we never really bury him. We put him in a box on top of the ground so that every so often we can lift the lid and slip him a sandwich. The born-again marriage or relationship is one in which God's Holy Spirit not only heals wounds previously inflicted, but prevents future wounds by a transformation of temperament. God has provided the way for you to transform your relationship into the pattern given mankind in the Garden of Eden. Perhaps, an experience that actually happened to me can be used to illustrate a final point concerning the born-again marriage. When my wife and I purchased our first little house, we were full of enthusiasm as we attempted to turn it into our little dream home. One problem that we had to face immediately was our front lawn. It was covered with dandelions since this was before the days of weed and feed. We decided to dig them out. Every evening found us digging the dandelions. And every morning, a new crop seems to sprout. We noticed that our neighbor had a perfect carpet of green, luxurious grass, yet he never seemed to spend any time digging the dandelions. Finally, my curiosity got the best of me, and I paid him a neighborly visit. After complimenting him on his beautiful green lawn, I asked how he managed to cure the dandelion problem. It is simple, he replied. I just fertilized the grass. Seeing the look of the amazement on my face, he continued. By fertilizing the grass, I allowed it to grow so thick that the dolions can never get started. And if one does take root, it is soon crowded out by the grass or and if one does take root, it is soon crowded out by the grass on every side. My wife and I had been concentrating so hard on the dolions that we had forgotten the most important part of the lawn, the grass itself. We had been so faithful in digging out the dandelions that our lawn looked like a mad golfer had been practicing cheap shots on it. But, when we changed our method and began fertilizing and watering the grass, before long, we, too, had a beautiful green lawn. 
The born-again marriage has a different focus from that of the worldly marriage. Our attention is no longer on the myriad of problems confronting us. Our focus is upon Christ and the one flesh relationship he makes possible. If we put all our energies into strengthening the positive aspects of our marriage, we'll find it no longer necessary to dig dandelions. Thank you for listening. I've been Maureen Komoka. You are tuned to Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. This is your presenter, Samuel Mahangi. Our producer would love to have your thoughts about this program. Please send to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya. You can also email us through Nairobi at ek.adventist.org. Let us now listen to Victory Church Choir with the song, My Wonderful Lord. Oh, no. 
It is another opportunity to get some spiritual nourishment from Sister Becky Arunga. Welcome, Becky. Indeed, a privilege has been bestowed upon us, my beloved, that we may be partakers of the divine graces of God. I invite you once again to this study, that as often as you have taken time to be in the presence of the Lord, know this one thing for sure, God is righteous. He shall not forsake thy labor that you have given unto him, especially with respect to the study of his word. And your heart desires shall be granted according to his riches in glory. Now, yet again, I invite us, let us forsake that which is preventing us from keenly following the study of the word of God, even as we get together to pray. I am your sister in the Lord, Becky Arunga. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. You are our Lord and Savior. We thank you for this chance to study your word. Now, Lord, may the meditation of our hearts and the words of our mouth be acceptable before your sight, even as you teach us to abide in you. Thank you, for I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved of God, I am amazed at the richness and the depth that is found in the word of God. Now, the Lord teaches us something that is pertinent to us, especially in these last days. We see that many people are lovers of self more than lovers of God. Many people exist to have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And this many people may be you and I. It is not an exclusionary statement. That means day by day we need to assess ourselves and where do we stand when we look at the mirror which is the word of God. The book of 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 3 brings to view a teaching that is relevant, knowing that when Jesus Christ was asked by his disciples regarding what shall be the sign of your coming, Jesus just answered by giving a caveat and saying, See that no man deceives you. So essentially, deception shall abound in the last days, just as it has been, it has been with us to date. But God has given us a way out, for on account of his faithfulness, he does not desire any one of us to perish. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 3 says, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with this, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 
this is just an opening statement regarding what Paul is addressing to young Timothy and is addressing to us this day. At the time and age that we are living, we have been able to see several things that we have no idea about or where they are going to. We are in a situation of economic breakdown, corruption abounds, iniquity abounds, wickedness abounds, and none seems to be bothered. But God had earlier on warned us and said that anyone who teaches contrary to godliness, godliness means that anything in the character of God, it's godly, it is godliness. But many things have come that have no tinge of godliness in them. And now that is what Paul is telling us, that for us to know godliness, godliness comes with contentment. In the sense that you may not be having all that you want in the world, but all you ever need, God provides daily. And with godliness and contentment, it is great gain. Why? There shall be no envy, there shall be no strife, there shall be no surmisings, but all that shall be happening on us to us who have known the truth is giving thanks to God for his blessings, for his mercies that endure forever. So amidst all this background of corruption, wickedness, iniquity, strife, anger, malice, what does the servant of God ought to do? Verse 11 says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. This does not mean that the servant or the man of God should not work. But it simply means that when you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things shall be added to you. That's why Paul says, pursue righteousness. I mean, make it upon you to live a righteous life, wholly depending on Christ and his power. The writer to the letter of Philippians, Paul told them that work on your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is the Lord who works in you to will and to do according to his pleasure. That essentially brings to view the fact that we have a role to play. Whereas other people who are not content are going about finding better ways of obtaining money, better ways of doing what, better ways of uh, of developing themselves. We are supposed to find better ways of partnering with God that as we pursue godliness, as we pursue righteousness, as we pursue faith, as we pursue love, as we pursue patience and gentleness, God is able to grant the desires of our hearts. It is a message for this time. It is a message of great import that we cannot afford to leave or cast aside. God desires that each one of us should make it upon himself. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This does not mean that we are content on mediocre things or complacency or slackness. But as we are God, we are pursuing righteousness, God is able to open before us things that we have never seen when you read the book of proverbs 22 29 it just shows us how godliness with contentment is great gain why because when we have godliness we are able to exercise diligence and faithful service and that which god has blessed us with and so the proverbs writer says seest thou a man diligent in his business that automatically shows someone connected to God what happens to a person who is diligent in his business. God says he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. 
Therefore, it simply means, as you are pursuing righteousness in God, God is able to make you into something. He is able to give you blessings in a measure that is exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. So anything that God requires of us to do is this one, that we pursue righteousness, we pursue godliness, we pursue faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Uh, verse 10 points us to something that we need to be aware of. It says, The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. Showing that where ash, the, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, to show that whatsoever you love is that which you shall pursue. Are you in pursuit of money to the extent that it prevents you from giving much attention to your faith or have you cast aside the work of God that you may pursue economic gain have you left worshiping the Lord because you want to pursue economic gain have you forsaken praying and Bible study sharing time with family ministering the word of God in form of witnessing because of money it is a question you need to ask yourself because God has given us one thing we ought to pursue. Pursue righteousness. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It is a difficult thing, but God is able to fulfill the desires of our hearts according to his riches in glory. Let us pray. Now, dear Lord, we pray that you may fulfill the desires of our hearts according to your riches in glory. Help us to walk daily by your side, obeying you and just giving our all entirely for the worship of your name. We have nothing to commend ourselves to you, but daily we seek you, asking that you may bless us and fill the cups that we lift unto you. Thank you for your loving kindness and your mercies, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. I reiterate once again, godliness with contentment is great gain. Till next time, be blessed. That brings us to the end of our program for today. I hope that you've been blessed. We would like to have your views about this program. Please send them to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Or email us through awr at ek.adventist.org. Join me next time, same place, same time. But until then, may our God Oh